Today's reading is from 1 Peter, page 1217, chapter 1, verses 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This be the word of the Lord. Please do keep that open. Let's say a prayer. Well, we've sung of your holiness. We pray that we would um, know it uh, ourselves this morning, that you'd make us aware of it at that kind of deep and spiritual level, that um, the words on the page would make sense to us. And that this call, Lord, to follow after you, to be holy as you are holy, that again, that that would uh, make sense to us and work deeper into us as a body of people, as your church, Lord. Uh, So please be working amongst us this morning for your glory's sake. Amen. Well, as I reflected in that prayer, we're going to think this morning about holiness, uh, which is not about being spooky and religious. It's about having the values that God has and living a life that reflects God in the everyday Uh, Verse 15, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. It's talking about the whole of life there, isn't it? Not just a religious bit. It's talking about character, who we are as people. Learning to love what God loves in life. Learning to hate what God hates in life. Which means being different from other people around us. Because this world may well think it's very strange to love God... And so it can be a real challenge to do that if others are not. Uh, An experiment was conducted where uh, a team of doctors studied how peer pressure would affect teenagers. 
uh, 10 teenagers to put in a room and uh, told that the doctors were testing their eyesight. Okay, so that was how they set it up. And then a series of cards were held up with different lengths line on, different length lines on. Um, uh, three each time, ABC, and uh, the uh, teenagers were said to um, put their hands up to uh, uh, vote for the longest line. What one of the ten teenagers didn't know was that the other nine had been spoken to before the experiment ran. The other nine were told not to vote for the longest line. But one person just got the instruction to vote for the longest. And so the experiment ran. The doctors held up the first card, uh, where B was clearly the longest line. OK, who votes that, num- that A is the longest? Nine hands went up. And the one guy was sitting there thinking, well, i better put my hand up then. B was clearly the longest, but, well, you know, he thought, maybe I've misunderstood the instructions. The the doctor said it again. Um, Be careful with the next line, uh, sorry, the next card to vote for the longest line, please. And they did the next one, and nine people put their hand up, and so the boy said, all right, I'll put my hand up too. When he was interviewed afterwards, um, uh, they asked him, well, did you understand the instructions? Y- yes, I did, but I thought I must have somehow missed the point. I thought I'd better do every- what everyone else is doing or else they'd laugh at me. And that individual um, that I'm reporting on wasn't unusual. More than 75% of teenagers in that study behaved in exactly the same way. They sat there time after time voting for the wrong line. Only a quarter had the courage to say, the group was wrong. I can't explain why, but everyone else is doing it wrong. I'm going to do the right thing. The reason I tell that story is just to illustrate that it is hard to stand out from the crowd. The thought of being different, the thought of being the odd one out, is unnerving, even in adult life, especially for teenagers, but even in adult life as well. But it's clearly what God calls his people to do, isn't it? Look, look down with me again, would you, at verse uh, 14. Now, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That's the call. Be like your heavenly Father in everything. Uh, look on to verse 17. Since you call on a Father who judges each person impartially, live your lives here as foreigners in reverent fear. When we're foreigners on holiday, we stand out, don't we? We we speak differently, we act differently from the people around us, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. Well, so too in life, if we're God's people. Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. It's very practical holiness. It's about everyday life being like Heavenly Father Uh, in all of life, in the conversations we have with family and friends, especially in those conversations, in fact, when we're really relaxed, we're not trying, we're just being, well, be like Heavenly Father. What makes holiness hard for you and me 
is two things. One is our own sinfulness, our own self-indulgence, the desire to seek myself. That makes holiness hard. And also, the fact that we're going to be different if we're people who are being holy. So we're going to focus for the remainder of the time on three things that will motivate us to live this way, that will keep us living for God in a world which isn't. Uh, Three things. Look ahead, look up, and look back. Look ahead, that's verse 13. Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought you when Jesus Christ is is revealed at his coming. See, it's about getting our heads straight, being alert and fully sober. If we're going to live for God uh, in this world, we need to get our brains in gear and understand that holiness is not weird. It's just a question of timing. Sure, holiness in London today is not normal. But in the future, in eternity, which is a really long time, new heavens, a new earth, and holiness then will be totally normal. Everywhere. It will be like the ocean covering. It will be, there will be righteousness and holiness and, and God's values everywhere. It will be beautiful. And you and I are made for that. And it should be normal now. It's just that the world's gone mad. But one day God will restore it all on the day that Jesus is revealed. And holiness will be normal again. And sin and selfishness, including mine, will be banished forever because they've got no future. So look ahead to that day as your motivation to live for God now. Do you see that? Uh, If you flip the page to chapter 2, verse 3, there's a logic there. Now you've tasted that God's uh, way is good, so continue in that way. Live for Jesus. Live knowing that you're going to meet him one day face to face in all his majesty. Your sins are forgiven, so live out of a new life. Live a new and forgiven life now. You've got an inheritance now. We thought about that last week, chapter 1, verse 4, that can never perish, spoil or fade in that future. So set your hope on it, do you see? Get your brain in gear, plan ahead, start living for it now. That's the logic here. Verse 14 As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Notice in passing, the Bible describes my pre-Christian life as ignorant, ignorant of God, ignorant of his purposes in our lives. It's very striking. But when we come to him, though, it's different. We, We get a different mindset, we get our heads straight, and we start to look ahead. Second, we also look up. Uh, Verse 15, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. As Christians, we belong to a different family. We're we're church. We, We are the church of the redeemed, the rescued. We belong to him. And if you think about your family, there are various things that are normal in your family that are not necessarily normal in everyone's family. I don't know what it is. Certain routines, certain things you do in the house, certain ways you have things. It's just totally normal for you. And other people think, oh, well, that's different. Well, so it is with God's family. Holiness is, is totally normal for God's family. 
And when we look up to Heavenly Father, we realise, okay, yeah, he's holy, so we want to value the things he values, love the things he loves, hate the things he hates. We're just ordinary people, of course we are. But God has made us new. He's given us new birth, we're told. We're part of his family. And the family likeness is to be holy like he is. I notice that's not a list of rules. It's about transform relationships with God and with people around us. Look down to verse um, 22 to see that. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. What does holiness look like? Loving each other deeply from the heart. Actually caring about people around us because they are important to us as well as to God. As opposed to chapter 2, verse 1, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, all the things it's very easy to slip into. So there you go. That's holiness. Very simple. And yet a challenge. And many of us are far too conscious of what will other people think about my behaviour if I'm different from others in my family family or in my office or in uh, my workplace. Uh, what if I'm different from the other staff? Uh, at the shop I work at will I be alright well yes you will you're with God, God's with you and actually rather than worrying about well what does everyone else think around me it's living life for an audience of one what does God think of the way I am the way I speak, the way I think, the way I act and God says as you look up be holy like I'm holy and it speaks of reverent fear doesn't it Fear of God. It's a big theme in the Old Testament, particularly. Not being afraid of God so that we run away from him, but living our lives with a reverence and awe of God and his power and majesty and beauty and holiness so that we run to him for salvation and we don't want to go against him in our lives so that we realise how wrong and foolish sin is. Uh, And we know God's forgiveness and it's wonderful But we also want to turn from sin, not just kind of keep on sinning. Because we say, yeah, okay, I I want to look up. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Father. And I I trust you that actually sin is, it's not just sort of arbitrary that you say that's wrong. It's actually going to ruin my life and my family and my relationships if I allow sin to grow in my life. I want to turn away, Lord. I've done it again, but please forgive me and please change me. Give me the strength. Uh, in the experiment I talked about at the, at the beginning, um, they, they found, the researchers found, that if just one other student in the room voted for the correct line, it greatly improved the, um, the chance that uh, the person being studied would uh, actually go with what he thought was right or she thought was right. Isn't that interesting? If you've got just one friend who will stand with you against the group you will probably have more courage too. And so again, we look up because we know that God plus one is a majority. And so God with you makes all the difference in every situation. Look up. And finally, look back. I look down to verse 18, would you? For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. Another striking description of the 
of the pre-Christian life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We are the redeemed church of God. It doesn't say it on our notice board, but that's who we are. We're rescued by Jesus, the pure, unblemished, holy one, paying for us, shedding his own blood to pay for your wrongdoing and mine. That's how expensive it was for you and me to become God's children. It cost more than all the silver and gold in the world, something infinitely precious, the life of God's son, as he submitted to death, as he went through hell to pay for you and to pay for me. Uh, Back in the 1950s, the uh, American evangelist Billy Graham did his first big events uh, here in Britain. He was interviewed on the radio by a reporter called Kenneth Alsop. Not someone I know, but maybe someone here knows him or knows his name. Uh, The interview ended uh, and Kenneth Alsop asked Billy Graham, it costs many thousands of pounds to mount this crusade, Dr. Graham. How many converts are you hoping for? How many converts will make all this huge expense worthwhile? And Billy Graham replied, You know, just one would make it all worthwhile. Just one convert. Just you, Kenneth. It's a great story. You see, the precious blood of Christ is what it cost to pay for you and to pay for me. Verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. For you and me, God stepped into history to save us. It was planned Actually, though, before even the creation of the world, before the creation of the human race, God knew that you and I would need saving. And looking back, therefore, we see God's provision for us as as Christ dies for us on the cross. Looking back even further than that in, in time, God has been planning this from before the creation of the world. That's extraordinary that he should love us that much. He should be so committed to the human race. And it fills us with a humble and joyful confidence in our God, our faith and hope are in him, when we realise, when we look back and see the big story, the big purpose of God that we're swept up into. Notice if you've not yet entered into this, if you're not yet a Christian, it all depends on God, doesn't it? Not on us. It's not about us doing or achieving something. Verse 23 describes it, doesn't it? You've been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God this is something God does in us he makes us new be holy because I am holy he says to us our motivation threefold we look ahead to see that holiness is the future we look up to know our God and be transformed to be like him And we look back to see how overflowingly generous his provision for us is in the death of his son. Amen.